Hey, great to be with you all today. It's really great, like Michael said, to get a chance to kick off our new series that we're calling Mad World, because I think we could all agree that we are really living in very insane, crazy, unusual times right now. And not only that, I know there a lot, for a lot of us, a lot of emotions are getting stirred up. There's a lot of anger and frustration that we don't quite know what to do with. So, so we've been living in a mad world from that kind of perspective as well. And how do we, how do we deal with that? How do we handle that? So over the next number of weeks, we're going to be looking at a, the letter of 1 Peter and really pulling some, some really helpful, applicable truths out of the letter of 1 Peter. Now, 1 Peter is full of some really great quotable verses, some really wonderful verses, but it's not typically a book of the Bible that a lot of people go to that often. It's not one of the Gospels, right, where we, we find ourselves reading regularly to read the direct words of Jesus. And it's not books like Genesis or Exodus where we have these really engaging narrative stories. Uh, it's a, actually a relatively short letter, um, but it's so full of rich truth that I think we all need to really hear uh, and press into during this, this crazy time that we're living in, in right now. And so, so many people now in the last number of weeks or months are turning to 1 Peter and finding such good wisdom in it. So many pastors are, are turning to 1 Peter and preaching from it. So many individual followers of Jesus are going to 1 Peter looking for hope and comfort and encouragement during this, this crazy mad world uh, that we're living in right now. And why is that? Why is that? Well, it's because 1 Peter is all about living in hardships. It's all about living in hard difficult times. And, and Peter, the apostle, the leader of the early church, the, the key person that Jesus basically, uh, when he left, left in charge, um, he, he probably wrote this letter in the early to mid-60s. Not the 1960s, just the 60s. And he wrote this letter to a group of, of Christians who were going through really tough times to try and, and desire to encourage them. Look what it says in the very first few verses of 1 Peter chapter 1. It says this, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the providence of Pontus, provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. Peter is writing this letter to these early Christians living in these various churches and, and essentially what was Asia Minor, modern day Turkey. And he's writing this about 30 years after Jesus has resurrected and ascended, about 30 years later. So Peter's led, this, led the church for the last 30 years through lots of highs and lows. And he's had a lot of personal highs and lows. You can read about in the book of Acts where he, you know, he, he's done a lot of great things as a leader and a lot of not so great things at first as a leader. But during this time period, the church has seen tremendous, miraculous growth. But it's also seen really tremendous hard times. A lot of persecution is occurring. A lot of difficult things are going on. As we read in verse 1, it says here, that many of the Christians had fled, they had dispersed, they had scattered, they were exiles living in foreign lands because of the persecution and trials that they were facing. And no doubt Peter, 
Peter, he's now, he's 30 years into leading this church. No doubt he's thinking, it'd be nice to retire, God. Like, can I just get like a little condo on the Sea of Galilee where I go for walks on the beach each morning, you know, sip kosher lattes or, or whatever. And yet Pete, that's not Peter's experience either. Peter himself is living in this hard, mad world that they're also living in. He's facing trials and persecution as well. We know from early church history that it's likely that within the next year or two, or maybe while he's writing this letter, he may have even been writing this letter while in prison, that he was about in a short time period to be executed and crucified upside down. That, Jesus, that Peter, when he tells these words and he writes these, this, this letter, he's not just writing some superficial fluff to encourage people, things that he's actually living what he's writing. He knows what it's like to suffer. He knows what it's like to be living in hard times. And in these first few verses, we see that Peter isn't, he isn't writing to just one specific person with one specific need or concern. He isn't writing even to just one specific church uh, with, with one specific set of challenges. He's writing this letter to be passed around from church to church to church. So this is really great for us because it means that it's, it's intended for a general context or a general audience that we can read 1 Peter, we can read these words and apply them to our lives, that it's still applicable today. Today, that, that the wisdom found in this letter can help us get through hard suffering times as well. The word suffering occurs 11 times uh, in this short letter and is a major theme of this, of this letter that, that we can um, go to and find hope in and encouragement in. And so as a Christian, as we find ourselves living in hardships, living in difficult, challenging times, how do we do that well? How do we do that well? How do we, how do we stay in that space with God well? well? Well, I see in this letter that Paul reminds us basically of two callings, two callings. The first is a calling of living hope, a calling of living hope. And the second is a calling of living holy living holy. And so we're going to be talking about those two things over the next couple of weeks, but primarily today I want to talk to you mostly about what does it look to, to hold on to living hope, uh, because we're going to focus more on what it actually looks to live holy, uh, and that as Peter continues later on in the letter. But you can't live holy without first encountering a living hope. It's impossible. It's impossible. So that's so foundational. But what is living hope? Well, Peter talks about it in the very next verse. In verse 3, he says this, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. God has given us a living hope. A living hope. A living hope, a, a new birth through Jesus. A living hope with a great inheritance that can never be taken away, that can never spoil or rot or be stolen from us. That's amazing, amazing news. It's amazing news. But what does it mean? What does it look like? What, what does a living hope mean? What makes hope, some hope alive and other hope not alive or dead? 
Well, scientists talk about uh, as classifying things as living and non-living. What makes something not this thing living and this thing non-living? Well, living things have, qualify under certain categories. There's certain criteria that all living things meet. For example, living things grow. They grow and reproduce. You know, living things have parts, they have cells, they, they function together as some sort of body or grouping. And, and living things, they, they stay balanced. They, they respond to stimuli in the environment and they, they work to remain internally balanced or what scientists call homeostasis, which I know that's like, you don't want to think this morning, right? You don't want to have to Google anything, but basically it just means stable or balanced. That a living hope does the same thing. A living hope remains and, and adjusts and stays balanced. The human body, for example, right? It stays balanced by it sweats when it's hot to cool off or it shivers when it's cold to warm up. It, it works to as best as it can to remain internally stable and balanced and living hope does the same thing. It keeps stable by being in balance by being alert and sober to its surroundings. Look what it says in verse 13. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope, your living hope, on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. A hope that Jesus will bring is a living hope that's alert and sober to its surroundings, to what's going on. It's balanced. It's stable. It lives in a mind that's, that's honest and, and aware of what's going on around it. It's not too prideful or stubborn to admit that it needs help, whether that's financial help, physical help, emotional help, during the most chaotic, uh, global, multifaceted pandemic that we've ever faced, uh, that most of us have ever seen anything like this. Uh, and it's, not, it's also not too naive. Living Hope is not so naive that it thinks that everything's just gonna go back to normal next week, or even maybe even next month, 100%. You know, that, it, that everything's just going to be hunky-dory or okay, uh, and just be exactly like it is like that. Living hope, it doesn't despair. It doesn't give up. It doesn't just throw in the towel. It doesn't just say, Who, I'm just going to do whatever I want, live however I want, live unholy, because nothing else matters anymore. It doesn't give up. It doesn't give up. And living hope on the other side of the spectrum... It doesn't just not care and ignore all the warnings and ignore all the precautions and, and, and look down on people who are being safe or you know, taking precautions or, or you know, you know, saying, ye of little faith, you know, where's your faith? That's not living hope. That's not living hope either. Living hope is a realistic, balanced hope. It's hope that looks down and is grounded in reality while at the same time looking up, looking up towards Jesus, looking up toward God, looking up toward a heavenly eternal inheritance that awaits us. It's balanced, it's both. When something starts to tip and get out of balance, living hope says, nope, we're gonna go back in the other direction to balance out. There was a, I wanna tell you a story. There was a man, a guy named James Stockdale. James Stockdale was born in 1923. Here's a, here's a picture of him. Uh, later in life. Um, and this is pretty cool. Uh, James Stockdale's middle name is Bond. So his name is literally James Bond Stockdale. I think that's so cool. Uh, 
But Stockdale was a naval pilot in the Vietnam War. And in September of 1965, uh, coming, flying back from a mission, he was shot at and his plane was going down. He ejected from his plane. He survived but experienced severe injuries and he was captured. And he spent the next seven plus years in a North Vietnamese prison camp. Four of those years were, were almost all spent in solitary confinement. He was tortured on more than 15 different occasions. And yet, he remained hopeful throughout the whole time. He held on to hope the entire time, a balanced, stable, realistic hope. You know, the other prisoners, they looked to him as their leader. They, they, they wanted that, whatever hope he had, they wanted that for themselves. He, and he took that on. He, 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 he pressed into them. He, he spent time with them when he could. And when he couldn't, when he was in isolation, he invented this, like, tapping system to communicate uh, so that it, they could have some sort of encouragement and conversations to help keep them healthy and mentally stable during their long periods of isolation. And when he got out, when he got out, he went on to be the, the president of the Naval War College. He actually ran for vice president with uh, Ross Perot in 1992, if you remember Ross Perot. Um, but I watched a, a video uh, of an interview of him, a guy named Jim Collins, who wrote a book called uh, Good to Great. Good to Great. It's a book about business, but in this book, um, Collins interviews Stockdale and he says, how did you do it? How did you remain so hopeful during such a despairing, horrible experience for so long? How did you do it? And look what he says. Look what, look what Stockdale says. He says this, I never lost faith in the end of the story. I never doubted not only that I would get out, but also that I would prevail in the end and turn the experience into the defining event of my life, which in retrospect, I would not trade. That sounds, that's so impressive, right? That sounds so amazing. He sounds like the most optimistic person the world has ever seen. How could you do that? How could you have that attitude the whole time? He sounds so optimistic, but in actual reality, that's not true at all. That's not true at all. Later on in the interview, Colin continues to, Collins continues to ask Stockdale questions, and he says this, he says, well, who didn't make it? Who didn't survive? Who didn't get out? And Stockdale quickly responded, that's easy. It was the optimists. The optimists were the ones that didn't make it out. Look what he says, oh, oh, the optimists. Oh, they were the ones who said, we're gonna be out by Christmas. And Christmas would come and Christmas would go. And then they'd say, we're going to be out by Easter. And Easter would come and Easter would go. And then Thanksgiving. And then it would be Christmas again. And they died of a broken heart. What, came, what kept James Stockdale going and alive during such a hard, hard times was not an optimistic hope. It was a realistic, stable, balanced hope. It's a hope that essentially, in a, in a way, it longed for the best but prepared for the worst kind of a thing. It's a hope that I think Peter would look at and say, that's what I'm talking about. That is what I'm talking about. That's a living hope. That's what I'm speaking about here. That's a balanced, stable hope. But living things, they're not just able to balance and stable out, right? They also have cells. They have parts. They have functions. They work together. Uh, you know, our body is a great example of that. Our, the cells of our body have to work together 
and, uh, and uh, to keep it alive. And a living hope does the same thing. A living hope does the same thing. Uh, as the body of Christ, as Christians, we have important parts and roles to play in keeping a living hope alive in each other, in encouraging each other, in caring for each other, in reaching out to each other, in calling each other, in texting each other, in helping each other, in loving each other during this mad world that we're living in. Look what, he, look what Peter says in verse 22. Now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. Living hope thrives when a person, when the people of the body of Christ are actively loving and caring for each other. Not just talking about it, not just talking about caring for each other, but actually doing it. Actually loving each other and doing acts of love during this hard time in any way that we can. And actually praying for each other and caring for each other's needs. Studies show that when sick and dying infants, when they're, when they're held, when they experience the, the love of another human being, when a nurse holds them or when even a stranger holds them, that their chances of survival go way up that instinctively there's something that comes alive in them. There's a hope that comes alive in them uh, that, that helps keep them going, that helps keep them alive. In a living thing, when the cells of a body stop fulfilling their calling, when they stop uh, uh, fulfilling their calling and caring for and, and doing their part, then the body stops living. The body stops living. We are called to fulfill our calling and purpose, to love each other with a sincere and deep love from our hearts. And that hope, uh, that living hope will then spread. It'll spread. It'll spread to grow and reproduce. All living things grow and reproduce. They grow. It, is the hope that you and I are, are we spreading, is it growing and reproducing in other people? Is it doing that? You know, the early church that Peter was addressing they have faced great persecution and trials. Verse 16 says, or I'm sorry, not verse 16, verse 6 says this, and all of this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. They faced immense suffering and trials of all kinds, and yet they found joy and the church exploded in growth. What should have caused the church to die actually caused it to multiply. It caused it to spread. The hope that was alive in those individual Christians was contagious. That's a word we don't like to think about a lot these days right now, contagious, but it was, it was contagious. And the word about Jesus grew, it didn't die. And the, the, the good news about Jesus spread. It spread across the known world and continues today. It continues today. And Christians today, we can hold on to this living hope because it's grounded and rooted in a resurrected living Jesus. And that's the kind of hope that grew and reproduced among those, those early believers. Ultimately, we can hold on to this kind of hope because, um, because Jesus is alive, because he is our living hope personified. Uh, it's, it's through him, through him, even in difficult circumstances, that we can press on we can press on and we can then go on and take that living hope 
and go on to the next calling of living holy. It says in verse 15 and 16, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. So often we get this backwards. We get this backwards. We, we try to live holy during really hard circumstances, during really hard times, and then we just get frustrated when we fail. We just get frustrated when we, when we don't succeed. And, and Peter is trying to remind us that, that to live holy, as we're going to talk about more in the coming weeks, we first have to experience and encounter a living hope in the person of Jesus. But what I believe is so critical to this idea, so critical to this idea, something that James Stockdale said that I first quoted him earlier when he said this. He said this, I never lost faith in the end of the story. I never lost faith in the end of the story. As Christians, we too can hold on that we know the end of the story. We know how it all plays out. We know that Jesus is going to come back. We know that in the end, there will be no more sickness, no more death. There will be no more separation or isolation. There will be no more fear. There will be no job loss. There will be none of that, that he will restore all things, that that's a part of our great inheritance that we will receive. And that gives us a living hope to continue to keep going, even during a mad world that we're living in right now. Amen? Hey, I just want to end uh, by just taking a little bit of time to do some ministry time. And I, I, just, I just recognize here that there are a lot of you today who aren't experiencing right now this living hope that I'm talking about. And it may have to do with this COVID-19 stuff. It may have nothing to do with that. Right now, you may, have, you may be feeling hopeless in your marriage, hopeless with your kids, hopeless with some other aspect of your life, hopeless you know, with uh, a mental health or whatever you're battling or, you know, or your addictions that you have. But I'm, I wanna remind you that, that we can experience, we can ask for uh, the experience of living hope um, from our loving Father and from Jesus who is hope's personified and wants to give us that hope. So I just wanna take a minute, let's just close your eyes wherever you're at, let me just, Invite the Holy Spirit to come and be with you right now and give you uh, a, a living hope right now. So Holy Spirit, I just invite you to come. Come and just be with each and every person who's watching this, wherever they're at. I pray, Lord, you would come and be present with them. Holy Spirit, right now, I ask that you would give a supernatural living hope to each and every person listening and watching. Holy Spirit, come and fill them up right now with joy and peace and comfort and, and faith and hope. With whatever they're battling, Lord, whatever they're worried about, whatever they're fearful of, For those of you right now who maybe, maybe you would say, I don't think I've ever experienced a hope like, like Andrew you're talking about right now. I don't think I've ever had that. I, I just pray, Holy Spirit, would you come right now? Would you be so kind and generous to help 
and let them experience that kind of hope right now. Some of you, maybe you, maybe you say, I don't, I don't even know if I'm a Christian. You know, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm this the very, for the very, you know, I'm watching this or, you know, maybe I've been around church, but I don't even know if I'm a Christian. But that hope that you're talking about, if that's what it means to be a Christian, I want that. So if that's you, I just want to pray that you would experience that living hope, that you would know that Jesus is for you, that he loves you, and that this would be a beginning of a relationship with him. And for others of you where maybe you, you've, You've been walking with Jesus for a really long time. If you just feel really dry right now, you just feel really dry right now, you've, you've experienced hope in the past, but right now, you're just longing for that, thirsty for that hope. I just pray right now, Lord, that you would come and meet um, all of those people as well. Jesus, our hope is in you. We put our hope for all of this, this mad world we're living in in you. We ask that you would work through scientists in the medical field. We ask that you would work through our, our government. We ask that you would work through individuals. But ultimately, Lord, we know it's on you. We put our hope in you today. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope that uh, you continue to experience the living hope that Jesus offers all of us. And I pray during, Naomi's going to come and lead us in one last worship song. And I pray that while we sing this last worship song together, that you would lead today feeling encouraged and hopeful uh, into this coming week. Bless you guys. Uh, love you. Miss you. Um, have a great rest of your weekend. Bye.